it's your girl, Chanae Ogwomake. And I am Lisa Leslie, and this is Front and Center. We do it with our own little flavor, right? We do it with our own little seasoning, right, Lisa? Well, you know I'm seasoning, and you are what? Flavor. So we will be what? Front, Front and, and Center. center. <laughs> Lisa, how is your week going? Okay, Chanae, this week was much better. I'm getting better and better. I feel like every week you ask me, I'm like, okay, this is a better week I get to tell you. But your girl sold two more properties. Woo-hoo. I saw the pictures on the gram. Yeah. So, you know, it's always good when you get to sell properties. You know, I love the the acquisition and the deposition of properties, just handing people their keys when they get their new homes. It's just such a rewarding feeling and obviously when they sell their homes also because that's a potential client that if they're selling one place you get a chance to also help them purchase something else so it's been great especially during the pandemic and um, it's really been a seller's market so which means that it's been easier for more people to sell their properties than necessarily being a buyer's market meaning a whole lot of people for sale so it's been great how is your what go ahead I already learned like a lesson, like, oh yeah, this is a time to um, buy and purchase and sell and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Queen. Yes. Congratulations though. That's amazing. So I am a junior property manager. I'm not an expert property manager like yourself. One thing that I was told and my family was saying like, hey, investments now are all too like super risky, especially considering that I grew up in the recession. And so I think we all learned that the value of homes And so once I became professional, we've started building out our own portfolios with homes, probably not to your level, because I see the homes you show and I'm like, oh, (laughs) well, listen, Um, you you, you said home manager. What do you mean by that? Property. So I own properties, a number of properties back home in Texas. Okay, so you're in real estate. You're an investor. Oh, so is that what I am? Yeah, I'm an investor. Yeah, you're not a property manager. You don't manage properties in that way. Unless you're saying that you have renters in there and then you then are the person who's going to manage the property. Is that what you're saying? So we're a one-stop shop enterprise. So my parents help us and we have the assistance of people that we've hired to help manage the properties. You're Mm -hmm. correct. I use the term way too broad. I own the properties. NECA owns the properties. And that was the biggest decision that our family made once we went pro. We're like, hey, like if we're really going to try to build, I think the best way to do that is through property. Absolutely. And ownership of property. So we start small. Yeah. And we build it. And Janae, we have a couple. I am ex- I am so proud of you because a lot of times we people invest in things that depreciate very quickly. For example, cars and jewelry and purses. But property is the number one best investment you can make. I'm not saying it like suggesting that everybody does that. But it's a great investment because you're more likely to hopefully invest in something that's good, that's going to grow. Maybe the neighborhood's changing over. Maybe there's, um, people are always renting. So if you have renters out there, you have, you know, you don't overdo the market. If you have two bedroom or three bedroom, that is excellent. So I am so proud of you being property owners and your investors, which means you're investing in properties and then your parents are helping you guys to manage it. You are not a property manager. So what has your week been like beyond that? Because I didn't take you all into real estate. What was your week like? My uh, week involves something about investment. Have you ever gotten down the rabbit hole of like online shopping and wanting things? 
I'm at the point where like I'm super cheap. I'm proud yeah. to say that I'm cheap. I like saving my money. I like investing my money. I don't need much. Yeah. But I don't know why I've like, you know, online shopping makes temptation that much easier. Yeah. And so talking about things that depreciate, you mentioned purses, which makes me mad because I spent the whole weekend pretty much looking at Birkin bags. Oh. Like, okay, when am I going to be at the Birkin bag level where I feel like I didn't just give up too much too soon? I feel like I'm going to take a picture of a Birkin and just put it up on my wall and be like, one day I'm going to feel good about it. That's your goal. Hey, here's the deal. I, I believe those bags are somewhere ten thousand and up. Is that correct? Yes. Did you did the research. Yeah. I, did, I think they started at like fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. I don't know because I don't own one. Because to me, when we start getting into tens and fifteen thousand dollars, I start thinking about um, another investment property, a down payment. So for me, it just really depends because I'm not going to down talk for anybody. Somebody who has the means to have Birkin bags and every color and all that, you know, it's like more power to them. But for me, I'm just the kind of person where I like seeing my money. And I feel like in the bags and the purses that I do have, and I trust me, I have my collection of designer bags. Then I just got to a point where I'm like, every year I want a different bag. Every year I'm just like changing bags. I'm carrying a different bag. And yeah, I think I'm over it. And I'm not going to lie though, because I love a good Chanel. Like, you know, there's certain, certain brands- well, that was my one investment, Lisa. Right. When I felt good, before I bought my car, I wanted to make a small purchase, went to Chanel, got myself a nice little crossbody, and I've had that. <laughs> that was like, I've had it for like three years. And so I'm getting that itch again. Yeah, but, yeah. you know. But you're working hard too. So again, reap the benefits. My number one choice would be real estate over purses any day now that yes. I'm older and I understand. So that's my seasoned advice. However, you young baby. Get your bag. <laughs> if that was make you happy, you working hard, you get a chance to see your bag too. Look, look, I'm not going to get it yet, but you know how something you start seeing like, oh, like I might really actually really start liking this thing. That was me. Like, I was like, I always want that Chanel crossbody. Yeah. I'm going to start in black and then I'm going to feel it. So I'm getting that itch again, but I I'm going to slow it down. And maybe in a couple of years, that means like, okay, I feel good. So this is the process for me. It takes yeah. years for me because your girl's out here balling on Chipotle level. That's how I like to keep it. <laughs> well, you like to keep money. So I, I appreciate Amen. the fact that you're you're smart. And being smart means spending your money wisely and just recognizing that at the end of the day, those are name brands. They're just brands. Yep. It's just a purse. You already have a purse. This is what happens when you live in LA, though, Lisa. You know what it is. It starts getting in your head. Uh, well, no, what happens is social media. Social media is what gets you messed up, where you like, instead of getting another property, you'd rather get that Birkin bag and save up for it. That's social media. When you see these things, constant reminders, and now you know Siri and Alexa are going to start sending you little messages about it, because that's what they do, <laughs> sending you little nuggets about these purses. But, you know, I, again, I was in that stage, trust me, my closet. Louis Vuitton, Fendi, Chanel. Yes. I have those things in my closet. So I would never steer you wrong and say, hey, but just again, now that I'm more seasoned, I recognize that's a lot of money in that closet that could have been another property or two. So how you invest is important. You're right. Pace yourself. <laughs> and so the other thing I did besides, you know, while I was looking at those bags, the only thing I can remember that I've done most recently, like just for me and for fun, I watched the entire season of Emily in Paris in one day. Netflix show. Oh, was that a show I would like? You didn't like the same shows. Nah, I like Lily Collins. I just don't know because it just kind of is like surface level. It? It's like young woman. 
It's kind of controversial. So basically, it's I think it's by the same producer or executive producer who created Sex in the City. Oh. I am a Sex in the City stan, yeah. Darren Star. And so I was like, okay. I saw a lot of reviews. People were talking about the show. Controversial. Mm -hmm. Just because it's an American's point of view and she goes to France. And a lot of times, the way like she's taking over the city of Paris, it sort of, I don't want to say it, but like it diminishes French people as to like what typically sometimes the stereotypes can be, mm -hmm. even though the optics of it are amazing. Mm -hmm. Still, I watched it all in one day, so it got me watching. Well, it sounds like something I probably watch without my husband when he goes to work. And... Is it kind of a chick flick? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's one of those shows. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. You know me. I, I like I like good movies, even if it's something controversial. I love Europe. Love Paris. Is it about yes. Paris? And in any fashion. Wait, favorite city. Lisa, favorite city you've been in? Oh, that's tough. City, country. Favorite? Mm, I would probably say Paris, but Paris is like a lot of fun. Between the museums and just, uh, we had some, what do they call it? Segways? Where we were like, mm -hmm. remember Paul Blart, the mall cop? <laughs> so we were like segwaying around <laughs> Paris. Oh man, that was so much fun. We did a bike ride tour around the Louvre and the park. That was really super amazing. We did an Airbnb and tried to get into this really Parisian feel. There's this, this is a designer. It's called the Hostile Designer who designed almost 60% of parts of Paris, okay? And let me just tell you, it's very antique. I realized mm -hmm. in those moments of trying to really have like the Parisian feel. Yeah, no, I like modern in me. So <laughs> the floors, everything, the whole Parisian style though is gorgeous, but not for me like on a daily. But anyway, beyond that, I love the food. The food is okay, but you know, the French eat a little bit different than how we eat. So that part is a little challenging. Yeah, it's true. You know, the, the that's the thing. Like when you specify the food, like pastries and stuff. Oh, oh. my gosh. Yes. Pastries and you fruit. Think about carbs. I'm thinking about Italy, but you're right. One of my favorite places ever was going to Paris. We went to the Chateau, which was in a nice little rural country town, Shalom, where my family was. And it was like straight out of a fairy tale. And this is a perfect segue, Lise, because going on that trip was a form of just being able to escape the day to day. Mm -hmm. And be in a different environment. And I think that all centers around just knowing when it's the time to have self-care. Yeah. A lot of times we do that with family members, but now I think the time we're living in, self-care is so important because we're by ourselves. Like we've never been this isolated, yeah. you know, ever, in my opinion. Like I know I'm 28, but like, Lisa, have you ever felt like you've experienced some time where you've had to be in isolation, even though you are surrounded by family like we are now? Yeah, I think in two ways. One is that I've always been a homebody and around my family. So in ways that we have to stay home and I cook and then my sister, my mom, you know, my husband, my immediate family are together every weekend. This is what we normally do anyways. But, Same. <laughs> but in terms of vacationing and travel and food and my self-care usually consisted of a vacation, right? To get away from the office, to get out of the house, to not fall into the rut of me cooking every day and running the kids around. And so I looked forward to our vacations. My husband and I have always taken a couple's vacation, you know, with us, maybe some friends. And then we've always had the vacation with the kids. And so that's been probably the biggest change of that. We can't go nowhere. <laughs> you know, 
being in the house and just really having to figure out ways to be creative with the kids is really how I became a TikTok mom. So the self-care looks a lot different, but so much more important because of the monotony of our lifestyle every single day. Yeah, let's dive fully into this. Self-care is so important and we'll talk more about it in just a bit. Okay, Shanae, welcome back, everybody. We are going to get into talking about something that we both love, which is self-care. However, I feel like during this whole pandemic, self-care has really changed what that looks like um, for me, for sure. But Shanae, I'm interested for you being more, you know, alone at times. There was one time you were with your family, then you're there. How is self-care, what does that look like for you these days? I'm the worst at self-care. And it's funny because a lot of people think because I'm a professional athlete that I am good at it. I'm balancing it all. I am the absolute worst. Now, I know how to keep myself going in the sense that when I'm working a lot, I will take a day off and all my people know where I drop off the face of the planet. Like I'll say, mama, I'm waking up. I love you. I'm good. I'm staying in the house Mm -hmm. and I'm chilling and I'm just melting my brain with television. And that sort of was what happened (laughs) this past weekend. Like, I just need a day where I can just enjoy and breathe. And I'm not going to lie. I'm guilty of this. This past weekend, I stopped at four restaurants and got all the foods I wanted and took it back home. I ate it. (laughs) Like, I went and got, this is probably spilling my tea. No, tell me. I got hot wings. I got tater tots. I got pizza from Maggiano's Thin Crust, which was amazing. (laughs) What else did I get? There was more on that list. Oh, Cheesecake Factory, appetizer, spinach, and artichoke dip. Like, I went in. No, no, I didn't go in. I went in, in. And, like, the bad thing is that I'm not great at pacing my meals. Like, I've never been a big fan of breakfast. And so I'd rather just wait to lunch. So I'll be, like, not eating until later in the morning. And then I'll eat something light, you know, like probably a smoothie or, like, some leftover food from the night before. And so I usually eat, like, two meals a day. So I'm always, like, a little bit out of whack when it comes to diet. My family will say I'm always out of whack when it comes to diet. I've tried to be better. And so for me, self-care is two different things. It's one, like taking the day where I can just think about just doing what I want to do, whether it's food, watching TV, hanging with friends, like this is just me being happy. Mm -hmm. And then the other version, I think sometimes is like, sometimes you want to step out and feel like you bad, right? Like step out. And I'm like, okay, self-care, I want to get my hair redone. I want to get my nails done. I just want to be polished head to toe. And I think the difference, though, that I've learned in quarantine is a lot of the things that I thought were self-care are actually not. Like, I like to indulge myself in getting my weave in at certain times or, like, switching to braids. I like to indulge myself in my nails. Like, if you look at my nails right now, they look broke as booty. Like, (laughs) bad. My nails look crazy, but these are things that I thought like were necessities for me to step outside and feel good. And I realized, no, like that's a whole different thing. And Mm -hmm. so the last few months, like realizing that I don't need all of those material things. I don't need all of those superficial things to feel like it's self-care. Self-care is actually being around my family Mm -hmm. and enjoying just being home with my family. Self-care is when I'm back here in LA and working by myself, I'm 
literally grinding and then taking time for me and doing mm-hmm. what I want to do, even if that means departing from a diet once a week. Well, it's not once a week. Well, it's more often than I like. <laughs> <laughs> and self-care is also like putting the phone down and just saying like, hey, my family knows I'm good. I'm locked in, like lock my front door. I'm good at home. And just being not distracted. So that's my holistic self-care. Now, Lisa, how do you see self-care? Because you've mastered it. Like, I took a phone call from my little sister yesterday. Like, my little sister was like, dang, Lisa looks good. Like, Lisa always on point. And you've always told me the ways. Like, drink water, use this moisturizer, like all that type of stuff. And it feels like you've mastered this better than anyone I know. Um, You know, when I think about self-care... I guess, first off, being an athlete like yourself and being your age, food and my relationship with food was much different than it is now being in my late 40s. You know, Uh, I could eat whatever I wanted to eat. I was a pretty healthy eater, but I've always loved three things I've always loved that I probably should have never eaten. Red vines, donuts and cheesecake. Those are like my three go to comfort foods that I've always loved ever since I was like a young girl. So I feel like for me, um, it's changed. Being in quarantine and understanding that COVID is on the alert, I really tapped into things that I've always done, but I've done them holistically more because of COVID. Here are my few things. Only drinking water, almost 95% of my day is water, whether it's Perrier, which you know I some Perrier or it's uh, my hot teas which I am a avid drinker of that's Um, what I'm drinking now yeah I love tea tea for me I drink dandelion root tea I drink uh, nettle leaf tea I drink ginger tea green tea I'm a lemon ginger girl all those teas every day for me have been I think so great they are I mean people have to look them up because I'm not trying to be like an expert on anything but If you look up those teas and see how they have so many benefits for your body, that helps with my skin. I believe it helps with my aging backwards, as people are always saying. Uh, Just having that ginger, I cut fresh ginger in mine. Uh, I see that some people don't really believe in the lemon water. I do believe in the lemon water in mine. And then I believe in detoxing, and that's so important, I think, to clear out your system. Those are just like little things that I feel like is a part of my self-care. Again, like you, I'm not a big breakfast person either. So I always have my tea and my water in the morning. And this is probably what I've learned lately is like interval uh, eating sort of where you start to eat at the same time and you end at the same time. So I don't usually eat my first meal until about noon. That probably helps with my weight also. But by the time I do eat, I do eat a really good meal. In fact, my lunch is probably really big leftover dinner that I made the night before. Um, and then I'll probably have a snack because once I start to eat, then I'm like hungry. Then I want a snack. So I'll have some nuts, but I'll have some sunflower seeds. And then I love my smoothies. Now, smoothies, I think, are another thing that really help because getting enough nutrients, I believe people are so deficient with nutrients when it comes to spinach and kale and just having enough vegetables in our system per day. My smoothie does that for me. So I'm going to have a spinach with some blueberries, maybe some banana in there. But I'm going to have my protein powder, uh, some moringa is a great powder for people to look up, as well as sea moss. So again, things that people can look up to see if that's good for you. Check with your doctor. 
but those things are like so good for your skin and for your body um, and to keep cancer out of your body. So again, these are things that when I was your age, I was not into. We didn't have access to social media the way we do now and having all this information. I didn't know about Dr. Sebi the way that I do now. So just having more information, I think, has helped me to be healthier. But what I wanted to ask you was about your workouts, because I know, again, you're balancing working, but you single. How's your workout? And does that feel like self-care for you getting to the gym? Workouts to me have always sort of felt like, you know, it's been a job, meaning like I have to work out like this is what my job requires. But I think where my freedom has been is how I choose to work out. And I think going into quarantine, basketball only, like get on the court and then lift weights. And now, you know, during quarantine, I was running on the field with my sister. I remember one of the first quarantine purchases I got was a soccer ball. So my dad and I and our sisters could just kick the soccer ball in the park. Mm -hmm. And so like I come from a family that like everyone asks like, oh, are your parents athletes? I'm like, no, like they are athletes, but they didn't play sports professionally or mm -hmm. seek to, yeah. but they've always been conscious of health, extremely like passionate about health. My dad walks five miles every morning and it's like, my dad is so cute. He has this cute little fanny pack he wears <laughs> and he goes outside like fully dressed with his sneakers and just his power, you know, and he's talking and listening to podcasts and he's, He's like in between a jog and a power walk. I would mm -hmm. say he'd be like great on the Olympic, the Olympic, whatever. That yeah, that walk. <laughs> like my dad is moving when he's doing it. My yeah. mom is probably one of the best athletes in our family. Like she runs. Well, your mom she is works great, out. Though. Like her arms, everything. She got like I know, it's so Michelle funny. It's like, yeah, my mama, she, I saw her. I was like, dang, mom, you swole. <laughs> yeah, your mom but good. she's petite. Yeah. And so it's been in our family. But it's also been our choice on how we do it. Like our parents have never told us, go work out. They just say it's important to maintain health. That's one. Like growing up, we never had soda in our house. We had juice, but juice was only on the weekends if we're lucky. Yeah. We never had desserts in our house. We had fruit. So we'd eat fruit after our meals. And to this day, it feels like that's my dessert at the end of the day. Like going and grabbing some grapes if I feel like I want a nice bougie dessert or I get an orange on the regular mm -hmm. schmegular days. You know, so that's just sort of the way my parents have conditioned us. And so when it comes to sports, that's sort of been in the context of we love basketball and we've been told this is how we're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think the self-care has come from like realizing, you know, we were without courts. We were without gyms for such a long time mm -hmm. that now we're forced to do things different, like run on a soccer field or now I'm jumping like I did Pilates with NECA and NECA has our team doing Pilates before every practice. And I had a IEG live conversation with a doctor by the name of Dr. Argavan Salas, who I'm so excited that we'll get to talk to. It was called Athletes Meet Heroes. It was a crossover okay. because we've seen the crossover happen in real time. Athletes aren't the heroes. It's the essential workers that are the heroes. So I was tag teamed with her, who she's amazing. And due to the pressures of what they're dealing with, and especially being in isolation, she started this amazing virtual yoga class where she's a beast at. Mm -hmm. And it's like every weekend, every Saturday. And so doing yoga during the quarantine was my form of self-care. And I loved it. And I realized how horrible. Like, I started off in gymnastics, and I thought I was amazing, like, at flexibility. <laughs> and then I go in there, I'm like, oh, snap, I'm not good, like, at all. And, and so... Yeah, that's a role that I think sports, I think I've had this freedom to now realize that 
to be a top athlete, I didn't think that I, I thought before I only had to do basketball mm -hmm. and like basketball workouts and focus on that. Like now doing other things helped me realize what I can work at that yeah. can actually help me with basketball. But what about you, Lisa? Because you've diversified your portfolio ever since you've stopped playing. Like you are doing tennis, you are on the move, <laughs> you do so many different things. And I love it because it's stuff that I think normally I would not think to do. Yeah. Um, you know, I really feel that it's important in life for us to do what we're passionate about and to do things that you would do for free. Although I get paid to do a lot of different things, I like to do things that I'm passionate about. Real estate, I'm passionate about, but I'm really passionate about sports. I love working out. You know, I've loved working out from the time I started playing basketball. Some people play and they do stuff, but they don't necessarily love it. Like I love having a trainer. Uh, shout out to Adam Friedman, my trainer for, you know, over 10 years who helped keep me healthy, knock on wood. I loved being able to afford having a private trainer. And then I feel like now that I have kids, I put myself on the back burner. I, I will not hire a private trainer, but I do the workouts that my kids are doing with their trainers on the side. So I don't really? pay them. Yeah. But I'm like, do you mind if I come in? And they're like, oh, they don't mind. So I get my bands and I just mimic whatever my kids are doing, which is funny. I have a, I got a post about me working out. But I've been working out, doing what they do, because I love working out. But playing tennis, that has been my true sanctuary. Because when you tire, retire from being a professional athlete, it's tough for us to stop playing. Like, it really is tough for us to stop competing. That's why so many people come out of retirement and play again. But I would never do that. So for me to play tennis competitively, I love it. Like, I look forward to my tennis. And one thing my husband told me, he was like, babe, you really seem like you're so passionate about tennis. Don't ever stop playing and don't ever let me stop you from playing. Like, you know, because sometimes I go, oh, I can't come because I got to do this or I got to do that. And my husband's like, don't cancel things. Go play tennis because you love it. And, you know, he loves me, obviously, still being the same size that I am when we met. So, hey, hey. <laughs> okay, sis. So I'll be trying to keep it, you know, keep everything right. From the way we met till now, I think that's important in a relationship. And for me, I feel great being able to go out there and play tennis for two hours. I just love it. So I'm a true tennis is a part of my self-care, but I do still have to ice and stretch a lot as I get older. <laughs> but I love it. I wouldn't change it. I would not lifting weights, playing tennis, and taking hot baths are my self-care when I'm at home. Because some days, my kids, my husband, everybody, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I'm off work, and I need a moment. And my moment happens when I go in my room, in my bathroom, and take a bath. <laughs> Look, Lisa, I think we really are the same person. Because one, I love cheesecake. Our family loves cheesecake. Yes. And so that's like our dessert of choice. Two, when I'm feeling bougie and I, I used to, everyone laughs, whenever there's a bath in the hotel, you know, that we're on the road, yes. I am the first, everyone's like, Chanae, you got a bathtub? Because I love baths. Yes. Like, I am, that's in my dream home. I'm getting a big old bath. Like one that can tub. fit. Yes. Yes. A big old tub. But it's funny because you're talking about how you kept it all in formation all these years. Yes, sis. <laughs> it's funny because I was talking to a guy, not to digress back into relationships, but no I it just like brought the last two guys, I, you know, you know, our, as women, our weight fluctuates. And so, you know, trying to maintain that balance of like, ooh, am I on the heavier side? Like everyone has that pair of jeans or like those pants that you're like, ooh, 
like it's really a struggle to get into these. The one and where so, your stomach start hurting halfway through because you know the duck is too tight. <laughs> or you, the, the thighs start really like, you feel like you can't should, like bend, you know, flex in the, the thighs and the pants. Oh, yeah. No. So there's these guys, I was, one guy I was talking to and another guy I was talking to different times dating, right? Mm-hmm. I told them, I was like, yeah, like I'm watching what I'm eating, you know, this week at least. <laughs> like I'm trying to drop some weight. These guys, the way they snap their heads so quick and be like, what? Why are you trying to lose weight? Like, it just is so funny to me because even though we are concerned about our self-care, maybe it's like two pounds, five pounds, or maybe you don't care. Like, you know, you, you feel good in where you're at. That's yeah. all amazing. But guys are funny because sometimes they'll be like, no, no, no. I want you to keep them pounds. Yeah. And that that's true, though, because men don't see us the way we see ourselves. So that's why I stay away from, like, the words of thinking that I'm dieting or trying to lose weight. I want to feel good with how I feel. And in feeling good, sometimes, you know, you can be a little thicker. You know, for me, I feel like, you know, my butt will get a little bit bigger. But then if I lose weight, everything has gone away. And so there is a happy medium for, you know, I look, I'm small chest. My butt is not the biggest butt. You know, I got a little booty and it's like, you got to be careful. So everybody knows their own body and what that means for them. And so for me, Sometimes I'll get too thin and it's not a good look. So I'm always, again, fluctuating with what is best for me and my happiness. And I like that my husband likes that. And he'll say some things like that, like, hey, don't get too thin on me, you know, because they want something to grab onto. And that's cool, too. But I think that men have different preferences about what kind of woman they like. But the key is the self-care for the woman to love herself and her skin. And whether that's on the thicker side or the chunky side or the skinny side, we have to be loving ourselves. And that, that for me, has always been the most important thing. Also, I'm a little vain about my clothes. Like, you know, there's certain clothes that's in the closet. At my height of 6'5", I be trying to make my fashion thing work out. Since once I get my little blazers done and everything's all adjusted, like, I need everything to fit. (laughs) So I got another you know, challenge because I can't just walk into any store and buy clothes, you know. Look, Lisa, if it ain't fitting, I'm like, you gonna see this pop out. I spent <laughs> the money on this. You can see this pop out right here. <laughs> but you know, you bring up something really interesting, Lise. How do you think self-care is? You have a son and a husband. What is self-care for men? Oh, that's a good question. I think for every man it's different, but my husband works a lot, whether he's working like his job where he flies planes or if he's working on real estate deals, his self-care is to go for a drive, like get out of the house, especially during COVID. Like he's not really a homebody, which is a beautiful thing because he likes to travel. So obviously he's a pilot. So to travel is usually his thing. Like he's like, babe, we got to get out of here. Let's, let's take a trip to Paris. Let's go to Australia. We've gone everywhere. And so now we don't have those options. I think it's more difficult for him. And so now it just mm. looks like a movie night or go for a walk or we play tennis together. Um, it's definitely shifted and changed for him. Uh, for my son, to be really honest, I think he struggles the most because he played basketball, which is the most contact sport, and he hasn't been able to play. So um, it's been tough for him. Like I've had to hold him and he's cried. And he's been afraid and felt scared. So the self-care for him is a little bit different. In fact, I just like surprised him and rearranged his room and got rid of all his Spider-Man stuff because he kind of went to the, my, my next stage of the big boy stage. 
But that was the self-care for him. I got him a huge bean bag. And so now he's been playing his guitar in his corner on his bean bag. And that was like, I had to do something special for him because I could see that he was having problems. He's having a hard time. I mean, he's been in the house, God, literally since March 10th. And it's difficult. And I think for each person, it's different. The mental health. It's real. And I didn't really understand that until all of this whole COVID-19 and the pandemic that we're in. Yeah. I think now we're realizing how much self-care is really individualized. You can go Mm -hmm. and look and say, oh, she's meditating or she, you know, a lot of people, it's their faith and opening up the Bible like we do. It's just a mixture of what gives you your own centering balance. For me, I have ways to go when it comes to my diet, but my sisters would attest that I've actually made some improvements so that I'm not indulging 24-7, and now I'm doing it like, okay, cheat day once every two weeks and just going with the flow. So yeah, I feel like each time you know, we talk about self-care, and it's such a, a word that we're hearing like out there right now, but re- and it's like a, something you paint, and it feels like it's such a broad stroke, but really it's more fine-toothed than that. Like It's way more being in tune with you and what you need and how you can feel like you're being your best self. I agree. I think in the self-care can also, for some people, it's to get out and get that run, right? Like go for a run, um, the way they can exercise or go for a swim. I think all of those things are really important to figure out what works best for you. But to carve out that time, another thing that I was doing that was not good, I would wait like once everybody goes to bed at nine o'clock, then I would start to like watch my movies and stay up, which was putting me, I started going to bed probably like midnight some nights or some, especially when my husband's gone flying. And what I realized is that by going to bed that late and then waking up so early with my kids, my clock after a while, I was like exhausted. I was looking tired. And when you don't get enough rest, that's also very important to self-care. And I think we don't put enough emphasis on how many hours are you consistently getting sleep and rest. And it's just maybe as I'm getting older again, this might be a topic that I would have never thought about. At your age, but now you're right. It's important, right? You are right. When you get to college, you're like, oh, I am free. I'll never forget. (laughs) I was eating so much Cap'n Crunch because my mom never bought the cereal. And so I tried it and I was going ham. (laughs) I was drinking orange soda with every meal. I was staying up till three in the morning just because I could. Knowing that, oh, I only have to be at class by eight instead of waking up like at home, like at 530. So like I was wild and out in college. And then the-, the Wait, the, time the, out, the time out. Let me just say, your version of wild and out is in crafting <laughs> crunch, which I still eat. I can't lie. I love like cereal killers, like in the cereal. I'm telling seat. you. Cereal with the seed. <laughs> I love cereal. But go ahead. You kill me. <laughs> Don't worry. We knew it was with the C, Lee. It's funny because in college, like that, I know I'm a lame. I'm basic when it, but you know, I was out there when that was my version of wild and out. Right. And then I started realizing like, man, I am like, just because I can and I could mm-hmm. doesn't mean I should. Yeah. Don't need to stay up till 3 a.m. watching TV just because I can and I can finesse sleeping in until eight and then still make it and have enough energy for practice. Like when I started realizing I can go to bed at 830, I can go to bed at nine. 
I can get 10 hours of sleep? My whole life changed. Let me tell you, to this day, I will never forget. My friend called me this past week. Yeah. It was 8.42. I was like, uh, hello? He's like, are you asleep? <laughs> Janae, it's 8.40. I'm like, yes, I am asleep. This is how I roll. If I am tired, I lay it down and I call it and I shut it down. That is and so, awesome. yes, sleep is essential. If you know me, you know I am the biggest granny out there. Like, <laughs> I am in the city of angels, Los Angeles, turn up central, and your girl will only go out if it's certified. And guess what? 99% of the time, these parties ain't certified. Right. You Literally, certified illegal right now. VIP, right? VIP. <laughs> yes. We better have a full-on table. And I better not be touched and there better be air conditioning and there better be starter food and y'all wallets better be out. Okay. And we must be dividing this equally. I'm not coming in here and people disappear and poof, you get the bill. Like I, that's why I only go out once a year and everyone makes fun of me, but that's me. It's all good, sis. I got you. So listen, when it comes to self-care, we know that uh, it's so important. There's so many ways to do it. And for our listeners out there, if you feel like you're on a wagon or off a wagon, it doesn't matter. Just keep going. Keep trying to make good choices. Please look up those teas because I highly recommend it. But yes. uh, I think self-care, you know, the way that it looks right now, we all need it. And it's so much more important than I think I ever thought it was. So I'm happy that uh, we had a chance to talk about it. Hopefully you learned some self-care tips from me too, Janae. Look, okay, self-care is so important. And Lisa, you remind me of this each and every day. But best believe, next time I pull up to your house, I'm bringing a cheesecake. I'm sorry. <laughs> and we're going to eat it too. We're going to eat it too. <laughs> that part. And on that note, we will be right back. Today we have a very, very special guest. So glad she's here with us. She is so accomplished, my goodness. My favorite aspect on her resume is that she's my personal yoga instructor as a starter. <laughs> but she start, as she graduated with a BS in biomedical engineering and a BA in French from USC. We will Whoa. forgive her for that because I then she got her... <laughs> I know, we will forgive her. You can be happy, Lisa. I am. Uh, she got her MD and PhD in social psychology. Um, she did residency at Nerd Nation, Stanford University. What? what? Um, a bariatric surgeon, a leader in research and diversity and inclusion wow. with a focus on gender equity, which I love. She's a founding member of Time's Up Healthcare, which is dedicated to fighting inequity and harassment in medicine. Her research also focuses on well-being, which is why we are so, so excited to have Dr. Argavon Salas here joining us on the pod on Front and Center because my goodness, like any parent would be like, wow, you read that resume, like that is a dream scenario. But you have really just inspired me so much because as athletes, a lot of times people treat us as like the celebrities in society, but you, what you've done, not just for helping during this time when it comes to medicine, but also helping those who are fighting medicine to help themselves. Today, we're talking about self-care and I'm just glad you're joining us and we get to chat and hang out again. Oh, it's so, so fun to be here with you and to meet Lisa for the first time. And thank you so much for having me on your pod. Yes. So welcome. I have so many questions for you and I know we don't have a ton of time, so I'll just dive right into it. 
Um, when I heard you were coming in Odyssey, reading your resume, I was like, wow, totally blown away. Like you are a winner. You have accomplished so much. For us, when it comes to self-care, we kind of see it from so many different angles, especially now that we're in the middle of a pandemic. But my first question for you is, how do you take care of yourself considering this is your field and you advise so many people? What do you do personally? Yeah, um, you know, it's changed a lot over the years and it changes depending on like so many things, right? Like what's happening in the world, what's happening with my family and my closest friends and so on. There's no one formula for me, like there isn't one for anyone else. So I think number one is being flexible, mm -hmm. um, both with ourselves and those around us and understanding that whatever we think is the ideal like way for our day to go is probably never gonna happen. <laughs> and you have to roll with those punches and give yourself grace Number one, give yourself grace and then give that same grace to the people around you. So I think that just fundamental mindset is helpful when you can achieve it, right? We can't always get there, um, but trying to be that way is really helpful. And then um, trying to carve out time and setting boundaries, right? So whether it's what times of day you're going to or not going to answer your email, who you are going to give access to your personal cell and when you're willing to respond to these people and on what matters, when you wanna be working out, right? Because I think at least for those of us here today, that's an essential part of our self-care. Um, and I think it is for many, many people. We all know if you don't put it in your schedule, set aside that time and have that intention, it's very easy for it to be 9 p.m. and you're like, wait, I never did my workout. <laughs> you know, Cause there's so many other demands on all of us and our time and our attention. So I think all of it has to be super duper intentional. Like we have to know what is our goal for the day, for the week, for the month, for our lives, for our families, and figure out a way to get all of that on kind of the same page. So for me, what that looks like is making sure that I have some time to move every day. Uh, you know, what kind of movement depends on the day and what I'm feeling like, but I do usually in the morning. So I'm not super regimented right now in my life. Like the pandemic has shifted so many things that what's happening on a daily basis is not as regular as it used to be. Um, so in the morning or the night before, I'm thinking, okay, what's my plan for today for getting my movement in? Is it gonna be a run? Is it gonna be yoga? Is it gonna be a, a workout class online? Is it gonna be a walk with, you know, what is it gonna be? And then when in the day am I gonna do it? And then I just set that aside. And again, sometimes that has to be done a little bit more in advance, depending on what you got going on, you know? Yeah. Um, but just being really mindful about making sure I set aside that time, that's number one. And then. Like I say, all those other things like the email, what are my limits on that? Also, what times of day am I willing to schedule meetings, right? Mm -hmm. People yeah. want so much from all of us and we want to give, right? That's the type of people I think we all are, but we have to set limits because if we just give, then we don't have enough left. And then we're going to end up not being as kind in those efforts. <laughs> and then it's going to not feel as good as we thought it would to like take that extra call or help that extra person, right? So everybody's got a different limit and those limits change over time. And that's where I say that grace really comes in. Cause there might be a day when you can go from zoom to zoom to zoom, you know, and like be great and be on and be super thoughtful to everybody. And there might be right. another day where you cannot do that. You yes. know, there's yeah. just too much else going on and you have to be okay with that. Understand and not be too hard on yourself when that happens too. Dr. Salas, can you take us behind the curtain here? Because we all know our situations, what we've been dealing with. Like, I feel like we all know within our family structures, one person that has been affected by the virus, if it's not yourself. What have you been fighting behind the scenes in real life? And then also, how have you been able to stay centered while you're in that fight, in those trenches? 
Yeah, you know, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think this is a time like no other in that really everyone is struggling in one way or another, regardless of what you see, right, from the outside, whether it's social media or people, even, you know, celebrities such as yourselves, you know, the face that we're all putting out there might look a certain way, but I really believe literally everyone is struggling with something, right? And it's not often public, but for me, it's been a lot, you know, especially like with the very beginning of all this, like in March, April, mentally, it was very much a struggle for me to be like, what is happening in this world? And like, how long is there going to be a world? What is the world going to look like? And, you know, really, I had this like sense, like a lot of people did of impending doom. And it's very hard to continue to do your research or show up to meetings and like kind of act like everything is normal when nothing really was normal. Um, mm -hmm. So that was the first struggle. And then, you know, Janae, that I went to New York and I spent a couple of weeks at a hospital there. And then that was in April. And then in August, I went to Arizona and um, spent a few weeks in a hospital there. And that's a whole different struggle and seeing so much death and dying um, persistently mm -hmm. and so much suffering is really hard, but I'm lucky that I get to um, go in and out of those spaces. You know, I'm not always in a COVID hotspot, always working in the ICU. So I get to um, heal from that a little bit. But the other thing on a personal note, you know, my career has really shifted quite a lot in these last six months in the same way that a lot of people's careers have. And that's really tested my sense of who I am, my identity. Um, you know, a lot of us who we think we are is closely linked to what it is that we do for work and our careers. And, and when you disconnect those a little bit, it starts to feel like, oh, wait, who am I and what am I doing? And is this the right path? And so it's been a lot of that for me in the last six months of trying to figure out, am I doing the things that I want to be doing? Am I able to have the impact that I want to have? And if not, what do I need to change to get there? And then, you know, we talked about, or we've talked about family before, and you mentioned that earlier, then it's the judgment, you know, <laughs> of these other people on the decisions that you're trying to make. Like you say, no one else really sees what you're doing and what you're living mm -hmm. and what your priorities are. So they can look at something you say yes to or something you say no to and be like, well, what were you thinking there? That seems dumb, you know? And I don't know about y'all, but my mom is very direct about those kinds of opinions. <laughs> Same here. All of our moms, I think. For yeah. Sure. So, you know, just trying to sort through that. That's been my struggle. Yeah. I love a lot of things that you said. So I'm calculating and taking notes over here. But when it comes to the self-care and forgiving yourself, which is huge, I think part of that probably before COVID was even as a mom, being in this space of as a wife and a mom and having, you know, jobs that I have. And sometimes not being able to get everything done and that to-do list done and that pressure that we put on ourselves. But then it also takes me to that point of the self-care that, you know, you're talking about how that shifts. It's not always the same and it doesn't look the same every day. Chanae and I spoke a little bit about how our relationship with sometimes with food becomes that comfort and fulfills that spot, um, exercising, but then also television. And so I guess my question is one, learning to have better self-care for ourselves and maybe making better food choices at times. Um, some suggestions that I've heard and read a lot was about meditation. I'm not that familiar with meditation, but I have done a lot of visualization and a lot of prayer, and I'm not sure how those work together. Can you explain a little bit the benefits of actual meditation and how a person like myself would even get started with that? Oh, sure. Um, I love that. I want to say that there's no right way to meditate. Um, yeah. Visualization <laughs> is a form of meditation, I think, right? You're thinking about what you want to see, what you want to do, how you envision the end product. 
Yeah. That is meditating on that goal. Um, I think, I mean, you know, I'm not like okay, well, maybe, master okay. sensei meditator, but like, <laughs> it, you know, in my take, that's, I would say that is a form of meditation. I think classically speaking, when you think meditation, most people are thinking cross-legged position, sitting on the ground, eyes closed, maybe your hands are, you know, like this, yeah, palms yeah. up and you're, oh, um, you know, like at Rafiki <laughs> in the Lion King, right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of what a lot of people are picturing. And that definitely is meditation, but meditation is all sorts of things. So people do like mindfulness meditation, um, which works for, seems to work for a lot of people, which is a lot about like being present in whatever moment you're in. So mm -hmm. even um, like the New York Times has a series from a couple years ago, I think that was like, okay, meditating while drinking your coffee or being mindful at the stoplight. You know, how do you be just there? So it's like fundamental basis. I think of meditation as being here right now. We're not thinking Present. about the next second. We're not thinking about mm -hmm. the last second. We're definitely not thinking about five years in the future. You're not thinking about your grocery list. You're not thinking about what to make for dinner. So you're pushing all of those thoughts out. And so for some mm -hmm. people that comes from physical activity, for some people, when you're so focused on this physical activity, you're not having other thoughts. So for me, that happens when I do something really strenuous, like an intense yoga class, for me, it doesn't happen when I run. When I run, I'm like constantly ruminating on these crazy other things that need to be happening. It mm -hmm. does not clear my mind. But for some people, running does that. And they're just yes. focused on the cadence and the movement, you know, so it's different. There's no like one thing that's like the right way to meditate. Yes. There are, of course, a number of apps like Headspace is one that exists, but there are a number of different apps. There's tons of videos on YouTube as well with people doing guided meditations. Mm -hmm. um, there's tons of data on the health benefits of mindfulness and meditation, like uh, bringing your heart rate down, bringing your blood pressure down. So it's better for the heart in general and better for our mood. So if we can do it, I think that there are benefits, but I think most people are intimidated or often people are intimidated, but I just can't do it. It's, it's yes. boring. I'm just constantly thinking. And then you feel bad, like you're bad at it if you have these thoughts that are coming in. But that's just how it starts. It's like anything else. Um, and yes. you guys are, you ladies are super accomplished, so you can do hard things. This is easier than the hard things that you've done in your life. Uh, but you get better at it. Like the first time you do it, I think you sit down and you're like, wait, what about that? Oh, I forgot that. Oh, I, you know, all those thoughts that you like couldn't do while you were accomplishing your last task, they come in because now you're, you're sitting or maybe you're standing, yeah. whatever position, but you're like calm. And so your mind is like, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait. You know, it's an exercise in saying, okay, I see you, but I'm not going to do that right now. I see you. I'm pushing you aside. That thought has to go out, you know, and letting go. And it's, it's really actually like very healing if you can get to that. And it only has yes. to be like five minutes a day. You know, it doesn't have to be an hour and a half sitting there to have some benefit. I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. And Dr. Salas knows I'm trying. I'm not the best. But I'm taking the baby step because, you know, when we started talking about self-care, the first thing that you said is flexibility. And then you also mentioned meditation, creating time for yourself. And I know because of the industry that you work in, especially with medicine and health, it's extremely stressful for you to find, like, first of all, you have great calming energy. And that's one thing I'm like really grateful to have you as a friend. But because I know behind that, like you have that athlete mindset. She's she's a hooper, too. Oh, um, really? But, but when we watching, think about um, she's giving me extra credit. I don't play. <laughs> well, I mean, you still fell in love, so I'm just going to give it all to you because, you know, might as well. But when we think about this big picture, like, you know exactly why this is important because you step into a field that is extremely high pressured, very similar to us stepping onto a court, which is very competitive and high pressured. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about how yoga has really helped you 
personally and how you've been able to spread that to others. And I'm one of those recipients and it's a huge part of your self-care routine. And I know as COVID-19 began, we were all stuck inside. I was trying to find ways to better myself as an athlete. And you suggested after our Instagram conversation where I learned that you have started hosting um, free weekly yoga classes, which by the way, that's a win because it's free. Like when you get a top-notch instructor like yourself, and then you say, hey, I'm available on Saturdays when most people are free. Like it really helped so many people, myself included. So I was just wondering if you could share how you got to the point where you were doing those yoga classes and also just why it was important to those people that you were helping as well. Sure. Um, yeah. And it was great to connect with you through yoga as well. Um, I was horrible. I, you can say it. It's fine. What? No, I never said that. <laughs> Every week I'm like, She'd always be on Zoom like, Chanae, Chanae, are you good? You good back there? I'm like, no. Um, no, I, I, I give mad props to you for trying it out and showing up and giving it your all. No judgment whatsoever at all for anyone. Yoga. So yoga is not about judgment, by the way. People will say things to me like, oh, you're so good at it. And I go, that's not what it's about. Like, there's no good or bad in yoga. There's just you showing up, being on your mat and doing what you can and using that time for yourself. But how I came to be doing that, I, when, you know, March, I think it was 16th in the Bay Area, we had our shelter in place. We all went from all sorts of things, busy, 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 busy to nothing. <laughs> like calendar basically cleared while people figured out how to do Zoom and all that. And you're like, wow, what is happening? And I was like, what am I going to do? And I just found myself naturally starting to do more yoga. And I was also running more and just doing more physical activity because it felt like something I could control, you know, mm -hmm. versus whatever was happening out in the world around. I had clearly had no more, more control over than anybody else. And so then I started posting it on my Twitter. I just started posting random yoga poses and videos and people seemed to like it. And then eventually people were like, well, would you teach a class. And I was like, I mean, I've done teacher training. So sure. I mean, technically I could teach a class. So then I just started doing it and people showed up at least for a while. <laughs> I don't know. It seemed like people liked it. And so, yeah, I felt like it's the least I could do. You know, it's not that big a deal to just show up on zoom, right? Like you don't have all that travel back and forth time that you do if you're going to a gym or a studio. So I was like, hey, all I have to do is turn on the camera. <laughs> so it's pretty low maintenance work to do. Well, I have to say, I have to get uh, an invite to the yoga class. I am not great at yoga, but I have done yoga quite uh, a few times throughout my career. My hips could definitely use it right now. Oh my gosh. Oh, so totally. I'd love to do that with you guys. We but I got to ask you, I didn't mention about food. Um, yes. There have been times where we, Chanae and I talked about, you know, the burgers and the cheesecake and some of our favorite things that we like to indulge in that we shouldn't have too often, but we have it. What are your thoughts about just indulging and the difference between indulging and overdoing it? Yeah. Oh gosh. I think that's such a great question because I think many of us, myself included, have certain foods that are our comfort foods and um, we turn to them in times of stress. And this is a really extended period of stress that we've all been in, right? Um, yeah. We're in whatever, depending on how you count, month seven, eight, nine, you know, then there's no real end in sight to this, right? Like I know, Lisa, you've mentioned you have your kids at home now and dealing with school from home is a challenge yes. that many, many women are facing, which by the way, we know that women are twice as likely as the men to have to be the ones responsible for that schooling for their children at home. And that's so me. it is natural <laughs> to turn to food. <laughs> I mean, that's just like how we are, um, our, how our bodies are wired. Mm -hmm. And I do it 
absolutely myself as well. But I, I don't know, we haven't talked about this before, but I also am board certified in obesity medicine. I work with people with obesity. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about and talking about food and habits and so on. So I think what you probably intuitively know is true, which is that we can't deprive ourselves all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why diets fail. So the data on diet and exercise when people are trying to lose weight is that only about 5% of people who lose weight with diet and exercise are able to keep it off. That's 5%. And the reason that matters to me as a bariatric surgeon, my patients are usually coming to me because they need surgery for their weight, right? And people say to them, well, you just need to work harder. You just need to have more willpower. You need to do a better diet or whatever. Fact is, it doesn't work. For most people. Yeah. Now, there are 5% people it does work for and good for them, you know, but that's not most people. So the reason diet and exercise as a like strategy in general fails for most people, again, when we're talking about weight loss, which is different from health maintenance, like what we're talking yes. about, but for weight loss um, is because people do deprive themselves. They go on, you know, like an all juice diet or like a long extended cleanse or like the Atkins extreme diets. And then they're like not or eating the keto. Right. right. Keto <laughs> fasting is another one, you know, right. There's so many mm-hmm. different diets that people are trying out and that's totally fine to try things. But many of these ones, especially where you feel any sense of deprivation, you cannot continue long-term because right. that's just not how we function as humans. So even if you see people who are doing intermittent fasting, usually they have a day that they're not doing that. Or some people are doing every other day. Um, something because like we all need a little chocolate or bread or whatever it is that's your pasta you know (laughs) yeah like we all need that and that is fine I think where does it become overeating yes you know one of the things that's really hard with weight and health is that we see the effects over a long time right so like if I sit down today let's say and I eat um, like a pint of Ben and Jerry's tomorrow I'm not going to look any different right I'm not going to really feel any different but if I eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's every single day Soon enough, I'm going to feel real icky and I'm going to look like not the way that I do now. But because there's that delay between the time that you do the action and the time that you see the consequence, Uh it's hard for us to make that connection in our brains Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then change the behavior. So it can be hard to know. But I think like if you give yourself a little bit of something sweet, if it's sweet, so I like sweet. So that's why I use that example. But like if you give yourself something sweet, like once a day, that's probably okay. Or every other day. But if you're like, after breakfast, I'm going to have some chocolate after lunch, I'm going to have some pie. And then after dinner, I'm going to have some ice cream. That's probably too much, you know? Um, And it's different. Everybody's got different vices, right? Vices. Absolutely. And it's all about, I think like everything else in life, moderation. So figuring out what are the things that really make you feel good? Like you could not live without, for me, like it would be chocolate, right? Like I would never want to cut chocolate out of my life, but do I need a chocolate bar every day? Like, no. So figuring out a way to get a little what you need, but not have it um, take over your life. And Dr. Salas, you know, it's not often that anyone really gets to talk to someone that's at the top of their field that knows what's going on. Could you just sort of give us your advice or at least your perspective on what's happening currently with the virus? Because a lot of us, and I'm saying us because it's the young generation, I go outside and go get some groceries and people are living like, oh, this is something of March, not of something of November. So could you just give us sort of like a status report and also what you like to see when it comes to health? so that we all feel better for ourselves. 
Yeah, thank you so much for asking that question. And I've been noticing the same thing that you have, you know, like everyone is, including us, right, is tired of this pandemic, you know? Like I miss dinner parties. I miss hanging out with groups of people, you know, and being actually like sitting next to people. You watch TV, right? And you see people, they're like sitting at a dining table together. You're like, wow, how cool is that? I know. (laughs) Like we used to sit that close together. Wow. Right? Or you see people hugging each other, you know, they're not in the same household and you're like, wow, I remember those days. That was, that was such a time, you know? Um, So I get it. Like we're all tired, but the fact of the matter is that the virus, you know, I don't like to give it personality characteristics. It doesn't care. It's not nice and it's not mean. It just exists. You know, it doesn't know that it's been six months or eight months or whatever. It's just going from host to host essentially. And we are Mm -hmm. the hosts. It's just jump in like, oh, okay, there's, there's another place I can live and replicate. Like, that's how viruses work. Like, they don't care about us or whatever, the season, the year, the country. They do not care. They have no thoughts, right? They're just like a biological thing that keeps replicating. So when we let our guard down because we're tired, which I understand, then all that happens is more people are going to get sick and more people are going to die. And that's why we're seeing now, you know, if you look at the data on case numbers in the U.S., like we had our first big peak of cases back in the spring, and then it kind of dipped down a little bit. And then late summer, we had another peak. And now we're again seeing another peak coming. So we have to just stay vigilant. And listen, it's not actually that hard, right? The things that are most important are wearing a mask when you leave your home, And then keeping your distance from other people. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're asking people to um, don't eat for five days, right? Right. That would be hard, right? We're not asking that. We're like, just put some cloth over your face when you go out. And then don't sit super close to people and, um, Mm -hmm. and wash your hands frequently, of course, right? And then don't interact with others if you're feeling sick. You know, all the kind of basic flu precautions that we say Mm -hmm. still apply. But we just have to hang in there doesn't mean it's going to be like this forever, but it's going to be like this for a while. And it's going to get worse and be harder to control if we pretend like it's not happening. Well, Dr. Salas, we appreciate you being here. But before we let you go, every guest on Front and Center, they cannot leave without answering some rapid fire questions. So get ready. Don't be alarmed. Really quick. <laughs> what she's, book... even on the, she's listened to the book. Oh, that's so right. She already knows like the ready. question. Okay. Well, what book is on your nightstand right now? Okay, so I've got a stack of books, but I'll say the two that actually started reading, uh, so I've actually committed to are um, one called Crucial Conversations and then one called So You Want to Talk About Race. Those are the two. Oh, that sounds sounds good. good. That sounds good. (laughs) Sound really good. Um, Dr. Salas, with your doctor salary, what is your biggest splurge? (laughs) My doctor salary? I'm just laughing. Okay, (laughs) pre-COVID, I would say handbags and expensive shoes. Yeah, exactly. Those two, those are good. Um, but yes. but now I'm like, I mean, where I don't know where am I going to wear those shoes like around my house. Right. Um, Thank you. And I don't know. I'll, all I have is exercise clothing. That's like the only thing I buy that brings me joy anymore. It's not expensive, but it's nice to have. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Okay, so what are three things that would be in your eight-year-old Dr. Salas before you were Dr. Salas? What would be in your pocket? Okay, so I don't remember having any pockets when I was eight years old, but what I can tell you, because I was thinking about this, I was like, really? I mean, I had like one pair of shorts that had pockets, but I didn't have anything to put in them. So, but three things that I really, really was into when I was eight years old were the original Nintendo NES system with the Super Mario, like Super Mario Brothers 1. Yes. One. Okay. That I was very much into, and I was a master. I would challenge anyone today, come at me. 
for that one. Come okay. at me. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then uh, books. I was a an avid reader. Like anything that I could get my hands on, I was reading. Um, and then friendship bracelets. I was really into friendship bracelets. Oh, nice. and I used to like friendship bracelets. That's awesome. So cute. I forgot <laughs> about all of those. Right? I love it. Okay, Dr. Salas, what is a talent not in your chosen profession that no one knows that you're good at? Okay, so I listened like the second episode and your guest could say the alphabet backwards. And that really inspired me to remember a skill that I have, which is saying all the states in alphabetical order. Oh yeah, my kids can do that. Let's go. All right, it has to be a little song because I learned it in a song. Okay, ready? Yep. All right, Alabama, Alabama. Alaska, Arizona. Oh, wait, now I heard you and I got off of Alabama, Alaska, <laughs> Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, doo -doo -doo, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, uh -huh. North Dakota, North Carolina, oh, sorry, North Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming. Yay! <laughs> Yo! That was so impressive. Dope. I love that. I'm so happy that totally I totally unnecessary kids. to know that's any like, of that. No, it's not. No, that's totally necessary. I love that. Super necessary because I can't do that. <laughs> oh, so who was the last person you kissed? All right. So like the real real is there's a person who's, I'm not going to name, but it's a friend. Okay. 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 You no, know, we got an answer. Dr. Guy house call an sometimes. What? What? <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Um, what is a song that is stuck in your head right now? All right, so I listened or I watched the verses with um, Brandy and Monica. Oh, yeah. So both of them have been in my head. And then Spotify was like, hey, do you want to listen to a time capsule? And it like suggested all these things that included, of course, Monica and Brandy. So I'm going to go with um, Who Is She To You, which is a song that um, oh. it's a Brandy song. It's just, oh, my God. It's really, it's a burn. You know, like, who is she to you? Don't lie to me. I can tell, you know, she called yeah, him yeah. out. Yeah. That's a good. Vibe. Okay, so last one. What is the mantra that stays front and center in your life? Okay, this one I try really hard to remember, and sometimes it gets away from me, but it's um, don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> Goosebumps. It, now, do you have that because you usually work in a more male-dominated uh, <laughs> field? A male-dominated, and, and because of the stressors mm. and, you know, how hard it is that um, I find a lot of physicians are working really hard um, mm -hmm. and having a hard time carving out space for self-care. And so we all know when we've had periods when we're not sleeping well, or we're not taking care of ourselves, not eating the right things, we get not the best version of ourselves, right? Yes. And we snap yes. at people. And um, it's just important to remember that we're not really defined by other people or what they think or what they say. That can be hard. Well, to I got to say for you to have so many amazing accolades and, you know, usually like doctors are like a little bit more, lacking in the personality. You have an amazing personality. You can come back and see Love. us anytime. You're super I'm telling awesome. you, is she not the coolest doctor ever? <laughs> so cool. I mean, you're the type of doctor that would actually make us look forward to seeing the doctor. Aw, that's very kind. Biggest accomplishment of them all. Dr. Salas, thank you so much for joining us. Again, respect her name, Argavon Salas. She's amazing at what she does. But more importantly, she just is a huge, amazing human being. So you've yes. shared such 
valuable information with us. And where can our listeners find you? Because you are all over social media and you, I'm not going to lie, I might be overstating it, but I feel like it's true. You are a movement. Like you are more than a doctor. We always <laughs> talk about more than an athlete, but you do so much and people look to you for such amazing versatility. Where can people find you on social media? Well, that was like very, very generous and kind. Um, I am on Twitter at Argavon underscore Solace, my first name underscore last name. I am on Instagram, which is not as serious an account, just so you know, don't be expecting much. It's a lot of yoga over there. Um, and that's at Argavon Solace MD. And um, I have two YouTube channels. People can check them out. One of them is my yoga classes. If anybody wants to take them, I put them all up there for free. The other one is my academic talks and, you know, LinkedIn, whatever standard. Yeah, all that stuff. That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations you on so your, all your success. And thank you so, so much for enlightening us with all your great information and advice. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. already know that is our show it's over tier but hey don't worry we'll be back but until then make sure you subscribe to spotify apple podcast stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast to keep up with us and please let us know what you guys think of our show make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to our show because we'd love to hear from all of you hit us up i'm at lisa leslie on twitter I'm at Chinay, C-H-I-N-E-Y on Twitter. And you can also send us an email. Where is that email? What is the email, Lise? It is frontandcenter at bluewirepods.com. That's frontandcenter at bluewirepods.com. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Later.